Um, and we've been talking about sheep a lot, and so that just kind of got me thinking about the one time that I ate a goat. Um, because goats and sheep are actually very similar um, physically, they're very similar animals. And so, uh, you know, so I'm eating the goat ribs, and it's tasty, and it's good. And then, and then they bring out to the guest of honor, which is my boss, um, they bring out the head of the goat. And it's just sitting on a plate, right? So they bring it to my boss, and he's like, oh, no, no, give it to Harry. <laughs> That's what happens when you're not the boss. And so I said, okay. And so I'm so I'm sitting, so my boss is over at a table with the senior pastor. I'm at a table um, with a bunch of girls. And um, don't judge me, don't judge me. I wasn't married. And uh, I was just sitting, I, it wasn't me. They sat there, I sat down, they came. Anyway, so and so I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I got, you know, it's some, something about needing to impress girls, I guess. Guys, just like, you got to do it. So I have this head, this goat head, just smiling at me. Its ears are flopping over, steam's coming out between its teeth. It's just smiling at me. And I'm like, How, what do I do with this? So I know that the tongue is edible because I've, you know, heard about that. And so I open up the mouth, get my fork, just rip out the tongue and just start just start gnawing on it you know and i'm like oh okay well it's not you know it's not it's, it's not too bad it's kind of like squid it was kind of like squid and that's the thing i'm real picky when it comes to like vegetables but when it comes to meat i'll try anything i had i had monkey soup in nigeria one time and there's this little hand this little skeleton you know, floating. you enjoying that cake how's that going for you is just, just a man. And so, and so I eat the tongue, and uh, uh, I'm like, okay, man, I'm pretty tough. I'm pretty, you know, this gringo, I'm, I'm good, you know? And so they, 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 they take the head back to the back, and then they bring it. I thought they were done. They bring it back out, and they've now split it open for me to eat the brains. And I don't know if you've ever had goat brains before, but it's quite different. Like, like, like human brains, like, I've never had them, but um, I imagine that it's kind of like, you know, you have your skull, then you have like, what, four or five pounds worth of fat between your ears. And it's just, it's just well, that's, that's not the way that it is with goats. Goats' heads are actually 90% skull. It's all bone. It's all bone because they're always crashing into each other. So God created their, their, their skull to just be all bones. And there's these little canals of, of brain. And so it tasted kind of like chicken. And that was fine. That was good. And, uh, and, then, and then, then the senior pastor comes along. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. The best part is, and he pulls out the eyeball like this, you know. And I'm like, well, if you'll eat it, I'll eat it. You know, I've gone this far. And so we, we both pop it in our mouth. And it was kind of fishy tasting. It was kind of, but there was a, a grainy thing in the middle that popped, and that was kind of gross. And uh, uh, so, anyway, I hope you enjoy your cake. It's good, it's good stuff. Um, and uh, <laughs> did you just say, where is he going with it? You know, sometimes it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It's, uh, <laughs> Uh, what do you need? Well, maybe you didn't need that story. Um, but but it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, 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 that in, in all of life, whenever we're dreaming again, whenever we're aligning our dreams and coming up with things that we, we dream about, one, goat heads would not really be a dream. Um, but we have certain aspirations. We have certain goals. And that's all good. And January is a great time, you know, New Year, New You kind of stuff. Um, assassination attempt on her second birthday. <laughs> About to say something, but I'm not even going to go there. Um, um, 
anyway, the, the, wow, uh, the, the, the dreams that we have, we, 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 want, we want to know some things. What do, we, what do we want out of life? And we started examining that. We talked about that three weeks ago. Where, where, where are we going? Where's this relationship going? Where's this job going? Where's this, where's, where's this going? And then we try to evaluate what do I need to get there? What do I need in my life to get me to where um, that I want to go? And I want to talk to you about some of the things that, that Jesus has to offer you. Um, some of the things that Jesus wants to give you, that Jesus um, in, this, in this beautiful psalm is telling us that if, if he is our shepherd, this is how our life will look. And that's why we're calling it dream again, because honestly, whenever we dream dreams, this, I think Psalm 23, is God's dream for us. This is what God intended all along. This is what God wanted. And oftentimes as we read it, it sounds poetic, it sounds beautiful, but it sounds completely unlike our lives. We're like, yeah, surely goodness and mercy. Uh, yeah, no, um, you know, he's, I shall not want. No, actually, I live in constant want. You know, every commercial I watch, I want something different. And so, so oftentimes, this doesn't look like our life. So I'm not saying that this is the standard. Rather, this is the promise. This is what God has to offer us. And maybe, maybe you've experienced church before. But if you haven't experienced Jesus, you have not experienced Psalm 23. You have not known what it is to live like this. And it's possible. There are generations, hundreds, even thousands of years, people have been finding the peace that David talks about in the Old Testament. They've been finding this life. And so I want to just give you a platform just, just, just to step off of, to take a step into this life. And for some of us, it is simply the Lord is my shepherd. We need to make that decision. For others, we need to step out of the trap of want, the, 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 the trap of more. Uh, for some of us, we just need to follow him where he is leading us, beside the still waters, in the correct direction, uh, and even through the valley. But, but today I want to talk to you about the things that he wants to give us, that he wants to equip us with. Um, if we go back to that scripture, verse uh, 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now that's interesting because as I read that, you know, you're talking about a sheep. You're talking about a shepherd and his relationship with the sheep. And now all of a sudden he's preparing a table. And so I said, well, how in the world? Like, like I thought sheep just ate grass and, and twigs and, and stuff. Uh, I wasn't aware that, that, that they had, you know, tables and chairs and forks and knives and spoons. And, and yet, as, as I was looking at the original language, to prepare a table is a bit of an idiom for basically saying you, 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 you lay out a spread, as they would say in Texas. You lay out a spread for me. Uh, in other words, you prepare a meal. You get a meal ready. Well, if you are a sheep, what kind of meal are you going to eat? You're going to eat grass. And so this is the way that shepherds would prepare a meal for sheep. Uh, first of all, they have to find where the good grass is. Right? They have to find where the good grass is. It's not in Texas. Um, it's somewhere else. Uh, Some place where grass is green and it actually grows. Um, they need to find that place. And, and in ancient Palestine, that place would have been on the, on, on, on the wide open fields. So, so you have a lot of hilly places, a lot of rocky places. And, and, and good grass just simply doesn't grow there. Uh, it doesn't mean that the shepherd didn't take his sheep through those places. But whenever he was preparing to, to give provision to his sheep, Whenever he was preparing to feed his sheep, uh, he would set out to find a, a flat, open space. And, and, and I think that's such a beautiful picture of what God has for you and for me. He has wide open spaces for us. He has, he has, he has places of provision. He has places of financial provision. 
Uh, and it's not that God just wants to make you rich, but I do believe that God wants to bless us. I do believe that God wants us to live in abundance in every area of our life. In financial abundance, in relational abundance, he wants there to be joy in your home. He wants there to be peace in your home. A wide open space, not a rocky space where you're digging around trying to get some kind of nourishment, but a wide open place where you are able to, to take of his provision and use it for your life. That's, that's, a, that's what God has for us. And that's what the shepherd does. The shepherd goes out to find a wide open space. Well, you know, in order to do that, he's going to have to leave his sheep in a... In a, in a pen. And so he sticks his sheep over here in the pen and he tells him, all right, sit, sit tight there. We're going to lock this in. And, and I'm going to go find a wide open space. And so he goes out and he finds this clear field, this wide open field. And, 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 and while wide open fields are good for, for nourishment and for provision for the sheep, they are also very good for nourishment and provision for wolves. <laughs> because when a sheep is eating in a wide open field, they're a sitting duck. They're an open target. And so wolves would often hang out on the edge of these wide open places. Because wolves are waiting for some dumb sheep to come walking in. Oh, this is grass. And then they, they pounce and they attack. So predators of sheep know that sheep are very attracted to wide open spaces and this beautiful lush grass. And so they would hang out on the, on the sideline all around the edges waiting for sheep to come. And so the, the shepherd says that he, he puts his sheep in a place of safety while he goes out to scout a place of, of abundance. And when he finds that place of abundance, it says that he prepares it or he gets it ready. And then he says, in the presence of my enemies. And it's kind of strange. I don't know why they translated that in the presence of my enemies because actually the word means to oppress my enemies. He's describing how God prepares the place of provision for us. He, he leaves us in a place of safety and he goes to a place of abundance and he deals with the enemy that's hanging out in the place of abundance. He, 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 he oppresses it. Literally, it, it means that, that my enemy becomes his enemy. That that thing which is fighting against me, he begins fighting against it. And my shepherd oppresses my enemy. Now that means that when he comes back to get me, but this is the problem for most of us. We've never experienced this because, because when God puts us in a place of safety, right? He tucks us over here and he says, all right, now you just hang tight there. I'm going to go find a place of abundance, a place of provision. It's awesome. And so we, you know, we, we usually just sit down right there and we say, okay, all right, all right. And then, and then we're just ready. We're ready. Most of us know of a time in our life, maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're early 20s, maybe you're nine years old, when you were so ready. For God to, to, to do that. Yeah, God's going to, whoo, it's going to be great. And it's like, Lord, uh, Shepherd, <laughs> it's been five minutes. Um, uh, you're going to, okay, it's been, it's been, it, it's been a couple days. Like, are you going to, like, I'm all by myself here in this pen. There's nothing to eat here. This is not comfortable. This is not good. This is not what I signed up for. It's been a couple weeks now. Shepherd, um, I don't think he's coming back. And I see that great field right over there. Look at that wide open field. That's awesome. That's what he promised me anyway. So what we usually do is we hop the fence. <laughs> Maybe none of you are like me. But for anybody that's lived very long, it's not that difficult actually. To <laughs> just kind of get over the fence and make our way right on down to this wide open space that is everything God promised. And, and, and you know what? It feels, I, it, like I, I feel in my heart this is what God wants me to do. It just feels so right. 
It looks so good, feels so right, it's so awesome. And we run into that field, and the problem is that we are unaware of the wolves on the edge of the field. Here's the deal, like, like, like following God, God's not trying to keep you out of really wide open spaces and places of enjoyment and pleasure and fun and, and adventure. God's not trying to keep you out of them. He's trying to walk you into those places where he deals with the wolves that are on the edge of them. And so you jump into what you were looking for. You find, you always find what you're looking for. And so you find it, you get out of the pen, you go enjoy yourself, and then suddenly you hear this wolf come racing after you. His tongue's hanging out, and he's running as fast as he can. And you become one of those fainting sheep, you know, this is like, goes, <laughs> you know, legs are straight up, you know, and you just, you get gnawed on a little bit, you get hurt, uh, your shepherd comes, rescues you, and you, you know, I'm really wounded, and, you, and you're wounded, and all the while, like, your shepherd's over here preparing a place, preparing what he has for you, he's getting it ready, and the problem is, you know, he comes back to the, to the pen, and he's like, uh, Harry, uh, hold up, like, where'd Harry go? And, 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 and this is why for years we live in these cycles. We live in these cycles where we go out after what we want, after what we love, and then, and then we didn't know how much it was going to cost us. We, we weren't aware of the lurking enemies on the edges. We got blindsided by the pain that was connected to the addiction. We got blind, like, we, 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 we couldn't see it stepping into it. And we wonder why it's taking God so long, and God's been like going back and forth trying to find you where He left you. But this is, but this is, this, this, this isn't even the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is not going out and coming back and going out and coming back. The worst case scenario is the people for whom they begin to believe that they were always destined for the pen. Because life has beat them up so many times, because they keep entering into relationships that just keep letting them down, because they just keep stepping into jobs that just keep failing, because they just can't seem to get their feet off the ground, because every time they find something good, a wolf comes up and starts biting their leg, you know, and they get wounded and they get scarred and they get hurt. And the worst case scenario is they believe that they really weren't meant for open spaces. They really weren't meant for provision, that maybe that works out for other people. Maybe God has that plan for other people. But for me, I think I belong cooped up in a pen and they're not even they're not even aware that the shepherd is out fighting battles for them they're not even aware that the shepherd is preparing a place for them and they lose faith that the shepherd even cares about them because life has bit them in the leg too many times <laughs> one too many times he says, he says, my shepherd, though, is not like that. My shepherd goes out and prepares a place for me. I wait for him patiently because he, he's out defeating my enemy. He's stepping into my tomorrow. He's dealing with the tragedy that I didn't even know was around the corner. So that whenever I wake up and I wake up into a new reality or, or, or a new election, that God's already been there. God knows what that feels like. God knows how to deal with that. That there's no circumstance that is beyond his control. That whatever my feelings are about the situation, that my shepherd is holding down my enemy so that I will be able to walk in provision and abundance and peace even in the midst of uncertainty because my shepherd takes care of all of the enemies that, that hang out around my pasture. And so I don't know what kind of pastor you're pursuing. I don't know what kind of 
pastor you're looking for, but 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 can I just can I just beg you, don't go where your shepherd hasn't gone before you. If he's not in it, you don't want it. <laughs> if he's not, it might look good, it might sound good, it might smell good, it might taste good, but if he's not in it, you don't want it. Because because only he can deal with the wolves of your life. Only he can deal with the wolves of self-doubt and self-pity and unworthiness and oppression and woundedness and offense and anger and, and, and judgment and addiction and, and family history and alcoholism and drug abuse and, 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 and all the things. If you just chase after the green field, you always will get bit in the leg. You will always get destroyed by the wolves. Lord is my shepherd. He prepares provision for me. He lines up a job for me. He lines up a family for me. He lines up a spouse for me. He lines up everything for me. He has prepared. He has planned all of my life. The Bible says that every day of your life was written in a book before you were even born. I think he's got it covered. He's got it covered so much. He took time to write it down so that, so that, so that he could lead you through all of life's twists and turns. You didn't see it coming, but he saw it coming. He prepared for it, and he prepared for a way for you to walk in it with victory, not with defeat. If you're suffering defeat, it's because you're stepping out too early and you're jumping out after a field. <laughs> Keep your eyes on your shepherd. He'll take you into the place he wants you. He says that he, he leads me, uh, or he prepares a table before me, food before me, even in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil. And that's interesting. Why would a shepherd anoint a sheep's head with oil? Well, because sheep get scars on their head. And oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And this is what God wants to do for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us who have stepped out of the pen, who have gone our own way, who have stepped into a wide open space that we thought was great, but we didn't see the wolves. We end up with scars. And God knows that. The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own ways. So we've all at some point or another chased a field instead of a shepherd. We've all stepped into stuff that we had no business being into. And it has cost us. And we now, we now wait for our shepherd wounded. We now wait for our shepherd with scars from previous uh, offenses from previous wounds and so he says that he takes the oil which is the oil of the Holy Spirit and he pours it on our head he pours it on our face in order to heal those scars so I don't know what kind of scars you have but the Holy Spirit can heal the scars of your spirit the Holy Spirit can heal the scars of your conscience he can heal the scars of your memory he can heal the scars of our lives and that's what the Holy Spirit does he comes over us and he begins a healing work inside of us a restoring work inside of us but what's interesting to me is, is that that he's pouring it directly on the head of the sheep which means that he's not just healing the scars of his sheep but oftentimes shepherds would would anoint each sheep with oil on their head because, as I mentioned before, sheep and goats, their, their skull is mostly just bone. Because they're always clashing into each other. <laughs> well, come on, somebody. Uh, God knows that, that if you're going to live in community, 
that you're going to disagree with people. God knows that you're going to have clashes. God knows that you're going to butt heads. That's where the term comes from. God knows that you're going to have disagreements. And so, and so what a shepherd would do, he knows these sheep, you know, they're going to start arguing over a certain patch of grass. And then they're going to rear their back legs and they're going to clash each other in the head. And he doesn't want them to get injured. He knows there's going to be clashes, but he doesn't want them to result in injury. So he anoints their head with oil. The Holy Spirit is anointing us so that we can live in community without killing each other. You know what I mean? Because he knows we're going to butt heads. He knows we're going to clash. He knows that we're going to have differences. And we're going to go like this. But the oil on the faces of the sheep would cause them to glance off each other. Would cause them to slide off each other. You may butt heads, but you don't have to break heads. You may, you may come against somebody, but you don't have to wound somebody. You may not agree with somebody, but you don't have to hurt somebody. That the Holy Spirit can enable us to live in community without killing each other, without wounding each other. That we can disagree, that we can have different opinions. And in fact, when we disagree, when, when, when we have different opinions, it proves that we are in fact the family of God because the family of God is not one race, it's not one religion, it's not one political view. The family of God is diverse, it's different, and we're stronger for it. City Chapel is stronger because we're not all the same skin color. You know, I mean, I am all the same skin color, and my wife is all the same skin color, but the rest of the church is, is not the same skin color, and we're stronger for it. We're stronger for it. Uh, we, are, we are not all from the same religious background. We have some Pentecostals in here. You know who they are. <laughs> we have Baptists in here. Former Baptists, we have Assembly of God, Baptocostals, we have, we like we, we, we have all different like 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 Methodist, Catholic, yeah, a whole lot of folks that were Catholic church. I mean we like all these different denominations and backgrounds and upbringings all coming together, worshiping the same Lord, the same God in unity. We're stronger for that. Now we're gonna clash sometimes. But we're stronger for it. And the Holy Spirit is what comes between. See, you know that somebody doesn't have the Holy Spirit when they cannot disagree with somebody and still walk with them. You know they don't have the Holy Spirit because they don't have any oil. They don't have any ability to glance off of people. It's like, it's like they get wounded. They get hurt. They get offended. I can't go to that church because that one person said something to me at one time. There's 150 people in that church. One person, you can't like disagree with one like, you might not want to go to the mall then because, like, there's a whole lot of wacky people there. Don't even walk in Walmart. Just go to Target because there's not even, you know what I'm saying? Like, people you don't agree with. <laughs> we're not... We're, we're not the same and we're stronger because of it. We're not all Republicans and we're stronger because of it. We're not all Democrats and we're stronger because of it. We're not all Libertarians, a couple of us are, but we're stronger because of it. We are not tied to a system of this world. When we look at this world, we're not all the same age and we're stronger because of it. We're not all the same gender and we're stronger because of it. We don't all have the same religious backgrounds or non-religious backgrounds. We're not all pagans from the beginning. And we're stronger because of it. Some of us were born in the church. Some of us were born in the alley. And we're stronger because of it. 
Some of us have had all sorts of stuff in our life. Some of us have been divorced multiple, multiple, multiple times, and we're stronger because of it. Some of us have never been divorced. One marriage for the whole life, and we're stronger because of it. The differences that we have, these are not meant to divide us. They are meant to unite us and bring us closer together. Because if the world is ever going to believe that God is a God of love, they got to see some sheep, they got some oil on them, and they disagree, but they still love. And they disagree, but they still serve. And they disagree, but they still walk alongside people because we're stronger because of it. Yeah. You gotta believe that if you wanna be a part of City Chapel, you gotta, you got otherwise you just you're you're not gonna last. Because from the very beginning we said we're not we're not gonna we're 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 not going to aim for one age group or one age range or one this or one that. We are we believe we're stronger when we got older folks. Alright. Never mind. We believe we're strong. Nobody wants to claim that age. We don't have any older folks. Uh, we just, they're all young people. Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl claims it. Um, we're stronger when we have college students. We're stronger when we have teenagers rising up and serving. We're stronger when we've got 30-somethings and 40-somethings and 50-somethings and 60-somethings and 70-somethings. We're stronger because of it. But we need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to live in community. Which, by the way, today, um, just as a plug, today we're launching new communities, 14 to be exact, 14 new communities, new small groups that are going to start meeting some every week, some every other week. And um, we want you to step into that community. We want you to find a community that, that, that connects with you. They're based on all different kinds of interests. Um, so yeah, I'll just do a plug right now. Actually, in, in your sermon notes, hopefully you have those out writing furiously. On the back side of those sermon notes is a whole list of all the small groups that are starting today, brand new groups. And at the end of service, we're going to have all of our, all those leaders are going to be outside the doors waiting for you. They're going to have tables, um, two leaders per table, and you can sign up. You just give them your name, social security number, credit card number, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, your name, some kind of contact information, and they will connect with you and sign you up because we're stronger because of it. We're stronger when we come together. And so whatever has kept you away from people, I want to encourage you that, that, that if you really want to know your shepherd, if you really want to get to know your shepherd, get to know some of your shepherd's sheep. Hang out with some of your shepherd's sheep. Get to know them. They, they are loving people. They are accepting people. Uh, judgmental people don't last long around here. They are, they are sweet. They are loving. Um, and they, they don't mind if you're a little bit different because they also are just plain weird. So... Got some weird people up in here. Um, the third, the third thing that our shepherd does for us is he leads us um, to a place that says, "My cup overflows." A cup is overflowing, and I know many of us wouldn't say that. Many of us wouldn't say, "Man, I got, I got more than I need." It's, it's just, woo! I just can't, I can't take any more of, of, of goodness. I mean, I just got too much goodness. Um, I know that that's not how many of us feel, and in fact, that's not how many much of the country feels either. Is a there's a, a lot of sadness and oppression and, and weight on people. And many people feel they don't have enough. They, they need more. But, but if, you're, if you're truly following your shepherd, you're going to say that your cup runs over. You're going to say that you have more uh, than you need. Now, that's, that's true with regard to the provision that he gives you. But it's also true with regard to your outlook. 
sometimes the cup half empty is, is just your outlook. It's just the way that you're looking at it. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were having dinner with uh, uh, Tina and Mario the other night. And we were talking about the importance of a, of, of a positive outlook on life. Mario talked about his mom. Is she 91? 90. She's 90. And she's still volunteering at places. She's still driving herself around. She's still blessing others. And she always has a positive outlook on life. It's amazing. You can have a 40-year-old who the, work, the sky is falling and everything's just, just crashing around them. And they, they have so many health issues because of their outlook, because of their negativity. It affects your body, it affects your mind, it affects your relationships, it affects, it affects a lot of your life. But if you, would, if you would shift your outlook, if you would change your outlook, then you have a more positive outlook. I'm telling you, uh, you would have a more healthy body, you would have more healthy relationships, you would have a, a, a better um, look and take on things. And that's what David is saying. He's saying, I'm not saying that I have everything that I want, but I am saying that God has, has blessed me so much that my cup is running over. And sometimes our cup is running over because, yes, we have so much, but sometimes it's running over because we're choosing to 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 pour it out. There's a, there's interesting uh, uh, tradition uh, with the with with uh, the Jewish people um, where they celebrate uh, a day called Sin Ha Torah, which is called the Rejoicing of the Torah. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's um it's a it's a big day in the Jewish calendar. And, and what they do is they they start at the very top of the Temple Mount um, back back when the Temple used to be on the Temple Mount. Um, and uh, uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Jews would do this. They, 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 they used to start in the top of the Temple Mount, which is the highest place in Jerusalem. And then they would walk down the steps of, of the Temple Mount, right, a uh, hundred plus steps. And they would go all the way to the lowest part of the city, which is, which is a place called the Pool of Siloam. Um, it's the same pool that Jesus told uh, the man with the, with, with, the, with the stuff on his eyes to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam was called living water because it was, because it was connected to a stream. There was a stream that was flowing from underneath the Temple Mount. And because it was flowing from underneath the Temple Mount, they called it living water because they believed that it was blessed. It was special water because it was coming from under the place of God's presence on the earth. And so the Old Testament Jews, the New Testament Jews, they would do this, and they would, they would start at the, at the Temple Mount, and they would walk down the steps all the way to the lowest part of the city, the Pool of Siloam, and they would take, and they would take uh, uh, buckets or cups or, or things like this, and they would dip it down in, in the Pool um, of Siloam. And then they would start a journey. And basically all day they would make this journey. They have this, they have this, this water from the Pool of Siloam, and they would, they would start the journey back up the Temple Mount. And, and as they're walking, right, they would take a couple steps. And every couple of steps, they would, they would, they would pour out some of the water on the step. They would set down the bucket, and they, would, and they would worship for a minute. They would worship. And then they'd pick up the bucket, and then they'd take a couple more steps. Uh, and then they, they stop, and they pour out a little bit more water. They set down the bucket, and then they worship. God, you're so good. God, you're, you're, you're so great. You've provided so much for us. You've done so much for our family. You've done so much for our country. God, you're so good. And then they take a couple more steps. And then, and then, and then, and then, then they pour out some more water. And they do this all the way up the Temple Mount, hundreds of steps, all the way up to the, to the very top of the Temple Mount. And when they get to the very top, then they have a feast. And it's the feast of the last day of the, of the, of the, of, of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they... And they have this feast. And I think, and I, I think honestly, this is something that, that, would, that, would, that would serve as a good visual picture for you and I. 
When he says that his cup runs over, he doesn't necessarily mean that he has more than he can handle. He's just so blessed and everything's going perfect in my life. He, he could be saying that he's kind of choosing to pour out some of his cup in an act of worship. He's pouring it out. And, 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 and I, I think that, that that journey from the pool of Siloam all the way up to the Temple Mount is similar to us. The pool of Siloam means sent. It means to be sent. That's what Siloam means, sent. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but, but City Chapel was sent to this area. Uh, my, my wife and I were sent to this area. Nobody, nobody called us up and said, we really need you to come plant a church in South Austin. Uh, we, were, we were sent. I, and we weren't even sent by a committee. Like, like no church said, man, we think probably the very best pastors for South Austin is Harry and Rowe. Nobody, like, like, you know, we didn't win, um, you know, a, a, a city uh, church planters got talent. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't win some kind of contest where, where Sony and BGMI label gave us a shot. I mean, it, we, were, we, were, we were not invited into South Austin. We were called into South Austin. Uh, I was I was sitting in my in my in my study back at another church down in San Marcos where I was I was full time getting paid lots of benefits I had dental and it was great you know it was great we were we, we had everything we needed we had a great community I was happy everybody was happy and and I was fasting and praying and God began to speak to me and said Harry there's 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 more for you than this I've called you to do more than this I know you're comfortable I know it's fine but this is this is what you can do Harry. Like, this is within your limits. The, all the things you're doing right now are within your power. These are all things that Harry can do because Harry's, you know, fairly educated, relatively smart, and, you know, dresses pretty good. And, and, you know, Harry can do these things. But, Harry, I got something for you to do that you cannot do. I'm calling you. And this is it. We are sent. We've been sent to South Austin. Now, I was driving around. I'm like, well, Lord, where do you want me to plant a church? And so I'm driving around. And as I drove through neighborhoods in South Austin, God just began to put a burden on my heart for people who, 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 who maybe they have a lot of physical resources, but there's a cost. And they weren't aware of the wolves that were on the edges of that job. And they weren't aware of the toll it was going to take on their family and on their personal lives and on their health and on their, and on, and on their conscience. And they just weren't, and they're, 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 they're trapped and they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so I began to feel that. And I was like, Lord, is this where you want me to plant a church? And I went, well, maybe. And so I came to a meeting of five pastors in South Austin. They were meeting because they said, if anybody wants to plant a church, come to this meeting. And so I said, okay. So I showed up at the meeting. And um, the, the topic of the discussion with the five pastors was, why is it so hard to plant a church in South Austin? I said, really, guys? Like, can we get a little more uplifting? Like, you can do it. Or something like, you know, it's, you know, great. God's with you. It's going to be awesome. Something? No. Why? And they, and they, they, they said, no, because in the past five years, at that point, 30 churches have been planted in South Austin. And you look around, and there's not a whole lot left. So the topic of the discussion is, why is it so darn hard to plant a church in South Austin? If you plant a church in South Austin, you better be sent. Better, you better be sent. 
And you are saying, you are sent to your job. You are sent to your neighborhood. You are sent to where you are. We didn't just show up. We weren't invited into these spaces. God has sent us into these spaces to make a difference. And it always starts at the lowest place. I find it interesting that they walk all the way to the lowest place. Now, they're going to end up at the highest place, but they start. We always start at the lowest place. You cannot despise the lowest place. You cannot uh, become ashamed of the lowest place. You can't be embarrassed of the lowest place because all of us are starting at the lowest place. And, 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 and I mean, you know, last month, I think it was two months ago, we had one person at our new members meeting and that's awesome. That's way better than zero people at our new members meeting. So D, wherever she is, she got signed up as a new member and I'm thankful for that place. Like sometimes you can, you can, you can be like, well, I don't know. This really isn't that great because I really want to be up there. But sometimes you have to be grateful for where you are. Sometimes you have to be happy for the lowest place because God puts you in the lowest place because it is at the lowest place that the river of his presence is that's where you find God where you're not just planning an organization and starting something that is big and beautiful and amazing and wow but no this is me and God this is me and a couple handful of people in God this is me and 40 launch team members two years ago in God and now this is me and well, you all in God and and, and 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 he's building us up but but we're but we're making these steps right and so you're making steps in your life I'm making steps in my life and you don't even know like like you 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 take a step and it doesn't seem like you went very far. There's a hundred other steps up there, and it's like, well, this is going to be difficult. How am I going to be able to take another step? And so you take another step. But what, what Scripture is telling us is that at each step, at each step, you have to be willing to, to pour out some of, some of your worship, some of your praise, even just for the step, because that step's kind of important. That step's kind of important. It's that step that gets you to the next step. It's that, it's that piece of obedience that gets you to the next. Well, my marriage isn't really what, what, what I want it to be. Yeah, but did you take a step this year? Did you get any closer this year? Did you learn anything this year? You gotta, sometimes you got to celebrate for the step. And I'm just going to stop at, at, at step two of City Chapel. And I'm just going to worship God for what he's done right here in this place. Because this step is important. I don't know what the rest of the steps hold. I'm looking forward to getting to the very top. But while I'm here, I'm just going to worship him because he's good. So I'm going to pour out a little bit of my praise and a little bit of my worship just on step two. I just walk all over step two, actually. I just kind of just completely litter step two with praise. Just go ahead and just pour it out on your step, whatever step. If you're waiting to worship until you get what you want, you're never going to worship. You might need to be thankful for where you're at. You might need to celebrate where you're at. I want to get to step three. I want to get to year three. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. But right now, I'm in year two, and I'm enjoying it. I'm thanking God for the 149 people who gave their lives to Jesus. I'm thanking God for the, for the 31 people that got baptized this year. I'm thanking God for the five bags of coats we donated to Angel Tree this year. I, I would love to have ten bags, but I'll thank them for five. I'm thanking God for the people that, for the 150 people that show up here every single Sunday, and the cakes that they eat, and the donuts that they eat, and the people that put out the donuts. I know we only have four people on the hospitality, four, four families on the hospitality team. I'm looking forward to when we have eight families on the hospitality team. But for right now, I'm thanking God for the four families on the hospitality team, because they're with me. Because they're with me can't just be thankful for stuff that's coming. You can't just be thankful for places you're going. You're not there yet. But it's so easy. It's so easy to look at where you're going and be like, well, I'm not there yet. Right, right. 
and become discouraged about what's not going on. And it's difficult sometimes to turn around and look at what has been going on. It's like God has brought me this far. And I know you can't live looking at the past all day long, but at some point you got to say, like, this is this is worthy of some praise. This is worthy of a little bit of worship. Just kind of, I think the, this step is good. I think this place is good. I think my cup is running over. I'm going to, and if it's not running over, I'm just going to pour it over a little bit until it starts running over. It's my choice. It's my choice to rejoice where I'm at. It's my choice to celebrate where I'm at. It's my choice to give God praise for where I'm at. Because here's the deal. Where you're busy wanting to get to some other place, you don't even know what God's doing. on step two is there's a big temple mount and there's stuff going on all over the place and you don't know what God's doing all over there you can see your step you see your step and you ought to be grateful for your step but I understand wanting to wanting to have thousands of people in your church and just big worship and all the kind I, I, I get it that's awesome big big outreach absolutely but 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 you don't know what God's doing because you see your step until you take another step and you don't really know what God's doing. And so you take another step and you still don't know. But when you get to the very top, David said, I turned around and I saw goodness and I saw mercy and I saw goodness and I saw mercy. And I looked around at the entire, all of Jerusalem from the top of this mount. And I noticed that God, I thought, I thought I was just giving five coats to an angel tree, but God used those five coats to bless kids whose parents were in jail because they knew somebody was thinking of them and loving them. I didn't know that was putting hope in them. I didn't know what that was doing for them. I had no idea. I was just taking a step. And God's working all around Mount Zion. God's working all around your family. God's working all around your city. God's working all around your country. Don't get discouraged because a couple of people are discouraged. Don't let it get you down. God has not given up on us. He has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He is defeating our enemy before we get there. And when we turn around, we are going to say, hey, good was there. I see some mercy. I see some goodness. My goodness. And as I see people, as I see faces, I see mercy. As a pastor, when I see faces, I see mercy. I say, man, where they were two years ago, where, 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 where Marty and Franco were two years ago when they got that flyer from City Chapel and decided to try coming to church. Now they're hosting prayer at their house for the last week. And they bought me a whole bunch of Topo Chico because they're really spiritual. And, uh, and you know, and it's, just, it's just amazing to see goodness and mercy even stuff I thought wasn't mercy it was mercy it got me out of places I didn't need to be and wasting time with stuff I didn't need to waste time it was mercy it was goodness you look back and you say wow God has God has been merciful and so I challenge you just just we're so destination driven just celebrate the journey celebrate the two years of a church for me, for you, for our city, but for your life. Celebrate the nine years of marriage. It doesn't just happen. Celebrate it. It's a step. The eight years of marriage, the ten years of marriage, the three months of marriage. Wherever you're at, at whatever point you're at, celebrate it. Look back and say, God has, God has been good to me. God has been good to us. Maybe you're not even married. Maybe you're single. Thank God he saved you from that dude. <laughs> You're still single. You might want to celebrate. 
because you 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 were on the edge for a while. You were about to step into something. You had no idea what that was. And it was mercy that got you out of it. Now you thought it was heartbreak, but it was mercy. That job that you love so much, I'm telling you, it's mercy. I'm telling you, he's leading you, he's guiding you. You look back, you're gonna see goodness and mercy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get ready to close if the band would, would come on up. Thanks, Dallas. But I want to read a scripture because in that story that I'm telling, where where the where, where the, the Israelites would, would climb up those steps, pour a little bit, pour a little bit. At the end of the day, they get to the top and they'd have a feast. Well, the, that feast is what's happening in John chapter 7. So I want to read some of John chapter 7. And Jesus cries out. Right? So this is the feast. So Jesus would have been walking with these, these people from the pool of Siloam all the way up to the top of the temple mount. And walking with them and pouring water. Can you imagine Jesus worshiping? <laughs> that would have been a sight to see. Jesus worshiping. Jesus praising. And he's walking all the way up. And at the end of that day, they're sitting down, they're eating their final meal. And in John chapter 7, it says that Jesus, on the last day, the climax of that festival, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd. Everybody's rejoicing. Everyone's been worshiping all day. It's been a highlight. It's been awesome. And he says, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like they've just had church all day long, Jesus. I mean, it's time to eat, it's time to kick back, the fast is over, we're eating, we're celebrating. I don't know, but maybe as Jesus was walking up that temple mount, pouring some water, worshiping, maybe he noticed that people were pouring the cup in their hand. The cup in their hand was full, but the cup in their heart was empty. They were kind of churchy, but they were dying of thirst. They kind of, you know, did the religious thing, but they were missing. They were missing what the water stood for. They miss, they miss, they're still thirsty. And so Jesus stands up and says, hey, if anybody's still thirsty, I know we just carry water from the pool of Siloam all the way up the Temple Mount. And it's been exciting and it's been great. But, but if anybody's still thirsty, let them come to me. People are like, what? Dude, we're not thirsty. We got drinks here. We got, we, got, we got food here. But then he explains, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart, from his inside. Oh, now he's talking about something different. Verse 39 says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in him. Find it interesting that people can be in the midst of church celebration and excited and yeah, isn't this great? Wow, look at this, look at this. And their cup is full, but their heart is empty. And Jesus said, okay, your religious stuff is over. It's cool, it's great. But is anybody still missing something? Like, anybody still feel a little empty? Because I noticed when we were walking up those steps that, that your face was smiling, but I, I saw beyond your face and I saw, I saw the quiet desperation you're living in. I saw the decisions you're thinking about and the stuff you're drawn to and the stuff you're leaning toward and the stuff that keeps coming back from your past. And your, I saw your nightmares. I saw your, 
I saw your anxiety. I, I mean, the cup thing's great, but would you like something a little bit more? That's just, that's just my question to you today. I know you got some cake and that's cool and hopefully it doesn't give you too many cavities and tastes good. But would you like, you know, a little, just a little something more than a church service with cake? Jesus waits until the end of all the religious stuff. And he says, okay, you've had your religious stuff, it's cool. Now, if anyone's still thirsty, come to me. Because the point of all the religious stuff was him. He was the point. And if you miss him, you just, you just, you just dumped water on the, on, the, on, on the steps. That's all you did. You just ate cake. You just, you just had a petting zoo and signed up for some small groups, and that was fun. But, but if you don't have Jesus, if you don't receive living water in, on the inside, the whole point, you're going to leave empty. You're going to keep chasing these other fields. You're going to keep getting beat up by the world. Nothing's going to change. So that's my question. Are you, would you like something a little more? Would you like Jesus? So how do I get that? Well, Jesus says right here, he says, he who believes in me is faith. He who believes in me, he who believes certainly that he exists and that he did what he said that he did. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day. But that's not just, that's intellectual stuff. He says, he who believes in me, belief is faith. That's reliance, that's trust, that's weight. So whoever puts their weight on me, whoever puts their trust on me, you've been stepping on those stairs the whole way up. But what you didn't know is those steps are a representation of me. I am the steps that lead you to heaven. I am the steps that lead you to the Father. You put your weight on me. You get off of your own path. You get off of your own road and you get on me. You stand on me. You let the weight of your life hang on me because I can hold you and I can take you where you need to go. That's what belief is. Belief is not just intellectual uh, understanding. Uh, belief is trust. Belief is resting. Belief is I am going to stand on Jesus, not on my own understanding, not on the way I was brought up, not on what my culture says. I am going to stand on Jesus. I'm the steps. Jesus says, I'm the steps. I'm the stairway. I, you've been pouring water on me all day long, and that's great. But would you like to come lean on me? Would you like to come stand on me? Otherwise, you just go back down to the lowest place again. Keep trying to find your way up. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute?